Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, those who are joining online. I look over to my right, and I feel like I'm back on the softball field. Brendan, man, it's good to have you up from Florida. I, I, I'm visiting you, you in left field, Jeff Davis right there in center. I'll tell you, between the two of them, nothing got in the gap. I never saw someone so fast as Brendan, man, shag down flies. I, I mean, it was unbelievable. Sean, good to have you in the house as well. God bless, man. Uh, and I can't wait to meet your bride. God bless. I've heard so, much, so many great things about you. And good to have you with us today. I am so excited about our new series, I Am Jesus. N- not me, but <laughs> Jesus is Jesus. To the dead man, he became life. To the prostitute, he was a second chance. To the searching, he became a long-awaited answer. To those living in darkness, he is light. To those in need of guidance, he is the Good Shepherd. And I ask you today, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? Is he just somebody you fit into your life? Do you view him as fire insurance? Just a way to escape the flames of hell? Or perhaps you know about him because your parents and your grandparents talk about him. Or maybe you just see him as a historical figure, just another good man or a prophet. Or perhaps you view him as a a figment of someone else's imagination. Who is Jesus to you? If you knew that today was going to be Your final day on earth. What would you say to your loved ones? What would you tell them? What words would you depart with? Believe it or not, this is the context of our text this morning. In John chapter 13... It records the last supper Jesus has with his disciples. The last meal. And then you get to John chapter 18, and he is arrested. Now, in between those two chapters is a lot of red print. I take for granted, maybe you don't know, but if you have a Bible and there's red letters in it, Those are the words of Jesus. And between chapters 14, 15, and 16, and 17, there's a lot of red letter print. In chapter 14, he starts off by saying to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled as he speaks words of comfort before he departs. I'll get to chapter 15 in a minute. In chapter 16, he talks about the works of the Holy Spirit and how your grief will be turned into joy. 
And there's that all-famous chapter 17 where Jesus prays for himself. He prays for his disciples, and he even prays for you and me. What do you mean he prays for you and me? He prays for future believers. But our context this morning is chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Jesus' words, I am the light. On Easter, we're going to be talking about, I am the resurrection and the life. And the Sunday after Easter, we'll be talking on those words that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 15, verse 5 Could you just change your positions for a moment if you're able? And could you stand for the reading of God's word? And what I want to do today, it's just one verse. Chapter 15, verse 5. And can you follow me? Read it together slowly. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him... He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you, apart from me, come on, you can do nothing. You may be seated. Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? He is my everything Because apart from him, I can do nothing. First, let's take a look at the vine. Jesus is the vine. Now, the two main functions are interrelated that the vine serves. The vine serves as a source of life. And as a source of fruit. The vine carries. The vine is the source. It it brings nourishment for the branches to live and to thrive. If a branch is cut off from the vine, it loses its life support. It loses its nourishment. The branch dies. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts. A branch cut off from the, from the vine, it dies. It can't survive on its own. It has no root. It's no longer connected to the source of life. And since it is no longer connected to the source of life and has no life, a branch that is no longer connected to the vine... It cannot bear fruit. It can't. Because there's no life. I often like this illustration. Jesus is the vine. And as we stay connected to that life source, the nutrients passed from the the root. The vine is connected to the roots. The the roots get the nourishment from the soil. The, the, The nutrients go up into the roots, up into the vine. And the vine carries the nutrients out to the branches that gives us life, that in order allows us in order to thrive, that in allows the Holy Spirit to bear fruit. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as Galatians says. And Jesus starts his dissertation in John chapter 15 by saying this, I am the true vine. In fact, right before, in chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no life, there is no fruit apart from Jesus. Now, let's take a look at the role of God the Father. Jesus goes on to say this, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Now, what's the role of a gardener in the vineyard? Scripture gives us a little insight as to what God the Father does as the gardener. First, he lifts up branches. And you say, well, wait, that's not in my Bible. He lifts up branches. Where do you get? It says he cuts off. We're talking about the care of the vine here. And I'm one who believes we forfeit our salvation. We can forfeit our salvation. God just doesn't cut us off. So, in view of the Greek word, iro, iro has actually four different meanings, four different translations. Iro can be translated as to lift up, to bring up. We'll get to this. It can be used figuratively to lift up, like one lifts up his eyes. It can be used as to to lift up as to carry off. And most translations use it as it can be used to remove. Now, there are some great reads on there about this. Uh, Bruce Wilkerson has a great book on the secret of the vine. Uh, Andrew Murray has an, a book on the uh, true vine. Great reads, and I can't remember if it was one of those two books or another book that I read where grapes, unlike squash and pumpkins, cannot grow on the ground. They need to hang. And what happens is the vineyard, the the, the vine dresser, the gardener, if there is a branch laying on the ground... The gardener knows that it cannot produce fruit because grapes won't grow that way. So he takes the branch and he lifts it up and intertwines it in the arbor or intertwines it with other branches. And now we begin to see the power of community and fellowship. For I've known and I've observed Christians before who by themselves were just lying on the ground, not able to bear fruit. But when they got interconnected in community and fellowship with other Christians, they began to blossom. Lift it up. Now, we'll get to the little harder part now. 
He cuts off every branch in me or lifts up that bears no fruit, while other branches that does bear fruit, he prunes or he trims clean. And what I've read is that branches are susceptible to diseases. And the disease of that branch would no longer be able to uh, be healthy enough to bear fruit. So what you do is you prune it back to cut the diseased part off. How many know that sometimes within our life, the disease of sin can arise, which no longer allows us to bear some fruit in our life. And God will prune it back. He cleans. Did you know that in amongst a vine and a branch where it intersects, especially in a tomato plant, there are things that are called suckers? Did you know that? We learned this years ago when we were uh, uh, planting and, and tomato plants, and this gardener told us that there's this thing in a tomato plant that between the vine and the branch, right in intersection, there's what they call a little sucker. And that little sucker, it, it won't produce fruit. All it will is just give green leaves. And it takes away nutrients from the other branches as well as the fruit. And what you do, if you want really big, healthy tomatoes, you're to pluck those suckers off. How many know in our Christian life, sometimes we develop suckers? Events, habits in our lives that do not produce fruit, but take a lot of time, take a lot of our time. Hey, let me ask you a question. Go on your, your computer, your cell phone, and, and see how much screen time you spent this week. And where's the fruit? So sometimes there are things that need to be Cut back, clean, trimmed, so that the fruit can become greater. Now we get to the part. If a man, if a man, we have a choice. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away. It withers. So branches are, are picked up by the gardener and he sees that it's no longer part of the vine, that it's withered, that it's dead, that it can never bear fruit, it's no longer good. And what does he do? He throws it in the fire to be burned. This is to my Father's glory. What brings glory to the Father? It's not the branches that should boast about the fruit. We shouldn't boast about what we've done for missions, but we should boast in what God has done through us for missions. It is to God's glory. God gets the glory for the fruit that is born through the branches. Showing yourself to be disciples. 
So God gets the glory. Why does God get the glory? Because the fruit is the characteristics of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we are the branches. I am the vine. And Jesus says, you, you guys are the branches. And did you know that the branch plays a vital part the vital part we play as we stay connected to the vine and allow the vine to supply with us the life source, we produce fruit. What is that fruit? The fruit is the characteristics of Jesus Christ. The end goal is fruit. Godly characteristics, Christ characteristics, where we show to a lost and dying world the characteristics of the God the Father who loves them. That's the ultimate. The ultimate goal is not being a branch. The ultimate goal is not giving your heart to Jesus Christ, becoming born again, and getting grafted into the vine. That's, that's not the ultimate goal. That's just the beginning of being a part of, of, of a life source that enables you to, to bear fruit and to show this lost and dying world that there is a God who loves them and cares for them. That's the part we play. Now, what is the evidence? Jesus said during the Last Supper, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Fruit shows life. What makes fruit good? You know what makes fruit good? It's not the outward skin. It's not the outward show. I can't tell you how many times we've, I've been in the church office. I go to the little refrigerator to get my stack. I pull out this orange, and I'm like, I'm salivating. I'm anticipating the sweetness and the juiciness of this orange, and I start to peel it back, and inside it's white and dry. Come on, you ever been there before? How disappointing! It's not the outward. Oh, we can dress up and make ourselves look pretty appetizing. But it's what's inside that counts. And I'm reminded that in our Christian walk, we leak. People drain us. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. That's why Jesus says, If a man remains in me, where does the source of sweetness, where does the source of life, where does the source of God's characteristics come they come from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we need to be filled with His Holy Spirit daily. 
How does a man remain? Some translations will say abide. I, last week we finished up our men's small group on Saturday mornings. We did Jerry Bridges' book, The Practice of Godliness. What is godliness? What is godliness? Godliness is the characteristics of Jesus Christ. The characteristics of God, transparent in our life. But what I liked about this book of Jerry Bridges is for the first five chapters, he doesn't spend on characteristics. He says, godliness is more than Christ's character, Christian character. It is Christian character that springs from a devotion with God. And the first five chapters, all he talks about is a devotion that we need to have to God, a devotion based upon love, reverence, and a desire. And out of a reverence, out of love, and out of desire, there's this devotion to God where we are before him daily. You can't produce fruit if you're not connected. So how do we remain? How do we abide? First, by taking in his word. If you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Now, the disciples didn't have the written word. They just had the verbal words. We have the written words of Jesus Christ. And how do we remain? How do we abide? We abide daily in God's word. That's why it's so important that we have our devotion time. That we're in God's word. We know God's word. We're reading God's word. We're constantly filling ourselves with God's word. But what good is it if we just take in God's word, but we don't do anything with it? God didn't create us to be libraries. He created us to be lavatories of his love. Where we show forth. That's why, how do we remain? How do we abide? We take in the word, but then also we have to live out the word. If you obey my commands, how do you obey his commands? You learn his commands by taking in the word. You live out the commands by obeying the commands. Jesus said in John 14, right before this, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And it's as we live out his word, it's as we obey his commands, we remain in his love. And Jesus says, just as I obeyed the Father's command and remained in his love. All right, it's about this time where the captain of the flight says, put up your seats, fasten your seatbelts, we're going to start our descent. We're coming in for the landing. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. I am the vine. You are the branches. God is the gardener. And in that picture of the gardener, we get a picture of his sovereignty, how he controls all things, oversees all things. And as we stay connected, as we remain, as we abide, as we take in his word, And live out his word. We bear the characteristics of 
Christ. We bear the characteristics, God-like traits. And we take those traits into our neighborhood, into our family, into our place of employment. And remember, the ultimate goal is not being a branch, but it's bearing the fruit, the God-like characteristics, showing a lost and dying world, Jesus Christ. Did you know that an apple, on an average, has five seeds? Now, go home, and if you cut the apple, and you're going, Hey, Pastor, it only has four seeds. Or, Pastor, it has six seeds. On an average, talking average, an apple has five seeds. You may get one and get shorted one, four. You may get one, you have an extra bonus. You have six. But on an average, an apple has five seeds. You got that? Now, I want to talk about one seed of an apple. One seed in an apple has the potential of becoming an apple tree. Do you know that's where apple trees come from? They come from seeds. Plant an apple seed, you can grow a tree. Now, when that tree matures, are you ready? When that tree matures, that apple tree, on an average, produces 300 apples from one little seed. The life expectancy, if the tree is taken care of properly, trimmed back, pruned, the life expectancy of an apple tree is, are you ready? 50 years. So over 50 years, 300 apples per year, one seed has the potential of bringing forth 15,000 apples over the span of its lifetime. Now that's just one seed. The average five seeds. This very apple that I hold in my hand, not knowing, but thinking that there's perhaps five seeds. This one apple has the potential over 50 plus years has the potential of producing 75,000 apples from the five seeds that has the potential of becoming trees, living a lifespan of 50 years, producing 300 apples a year, 75,000 apples. Why do I say that? If God can do that with an apple, how much more could he do with our lives? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I... When I read scripture, I try to put myself in the shoes of the audience that Jesus addresses. 
And during that last day, as perhaps he was making his way through the Kindred Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he saw this, this vineyard. And he gave his disciples a, an illustration that they could identify, that they could see. He says, I am the vine. And your father is the gardener. And you are the branches. And if you remain in me, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And you will bear much fruit. And I could just see grapes growing all over that arbor. Plentiful. And how prophetic were the words of Jesus that the twelve he started with would produce what we know as the church of Jesus Christ today. Christians all over this vast world. And all of us have a part in that vineyard. Abide. Remain. Take in His Word. And live it out. And as we're praying before we take of communion this morning, you're here this morning and You're a branch that's not connected. A branch that has no life. Well, we read in Scripture how a branch can be grafted in. And as you're grafted into the vine, that vine gives life. Eternal life. Life everlasting. You're here this morning. And you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. You you want to make your peace with God. You want to be grafted into the vine. You want to be a branch that is alive, that is bearing fruit. Maybe you've been searching. And today... You see Jesus as the ultimate answer for your life. By surrendering your life to Him and making Him your personal Savior and Lord. Receiving the gift of eternal life. No longer a branch that's going to be thrown into the fire, but a branch that will live throughout eternity. If that's your sincerest desire. You say, Pastor, I just want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give him my life. Would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to pray with you. Anybody at all? God bless. Yes. Yes. God bless. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And maybe you're sitting there and you're trying to decide, but 
maybe you felt awkward raising your hand, but that's your truest desire. Would you pray along with these four who, who raised their hands? Would you pray along with these other four? If that's your truest desire, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood for my sins. I now receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. And as I draw near to you, I know that you will draw near to me. And that as I remain in you, and you and me, I will bear much fruit. Grant to me the gift and the assurance of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask that you would take your elements and prepare them at this time. Just take the top, the cellophane, portion you can peel it back to get the bread and then the foil level you can peel back Uh, Lord willing next month we will be back to the regular communion cups we just had these that we had left over that we wanted to use up Uh, they were very handy in through COVID and we trust that we can go back to just regular cups uh, next month You know, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna do something. On the eve of his betrayal, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and then he broke it. And he said these words: "This bread represents my body. Take, eat in remembrance of me." Now we partake of the fruit of the vine. The cup that represents his blood. The blood that was shed for the remission, for the taking away of sin. And as we apply the blood of Jesus Christ, we can stand before a holy God justified and God looks upon us just as if we have never sinned holy and pure and on the eve of his betrayal he took the cup he blessed it he gave thanks and he said drink ye all of it in remembrance of me And he said on that last supper, for as often as you take this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until I what? Until I come again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus. 
And may you find us fruitful. Shall we stand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor and glory. We magnify. We exalt you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. Time did not permit, but I'll close with this. As a result of remaining in the vine, as a result of remaining in Him, Abiding him. You can look at chapter 15. You can read it for yourself. There will be answered prayer. There will be much fruit. And there will be ultimate joy. That's what it says. Ultimate joy. Much fruit. And answered prayer. Hey, if you did not get a chance to make a missions pledge... I know the ushers in the back, they have missions pledges. If you want to make your missions pledge for this next week or on the welcome table, we we ask you to do so. And uh, by next week, we'll give you a report of our new pledges. God bless you.